Welcome to the Comics Are Awesome podcast. I'm your host, Mark Boker, comic book reader, retailer, and evangelist. My featured guest today is Jim Zub. Jim is a writer, artist, and art instructor based in Toronto. Over the past 15 years, he's worked for a diverse array of publishing, movie, and video game clients, including Disney, Hasbro, Warner Brothers, Marvel, Capcom, Bandai Namco, and Mattel. His current comic projects include Dungeons & Dragons, Legends of Baldur's Gate, a new series celebrating 40 years of the classic tabletop RPG, Samurai Jack, a series continuing the award-winning cartoon, Skull Kickers, a sword and sorcery action comedy, and Wayward, a supernatural story about teens fighting Japanese myths on the streets of Tokyo. Jim, thank you for being one of the first guests on Comics Are Awesome. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I've given our listeners a brief introduction, but let's give them a chance to really get to know you. What's your origin story? How did you discover comics? And take <laughs> us through your journey from reader to creator. Okay, this is a little bit involved, so I'll try and keep it uh, relatively brief. Um, I like a lot of you know comic book creators. I grew up on comics, uh, came into it pretty early on. Some of the first uh, comics I remember reading. I mean, I you know I think I read. I remember uh, reading like the Spider-Man stories in the Electric Company magazine and things like that. But actually digging in and probably collecting was uh, right around the time of the the G.I. Joe cartoon. At the end of every episode, or in the early ones anyways, they would have, uh, during the credits, they would actually say, they would show the cover for the latest um, G.I. Joe comic. And so I started going out and buying them and collecting them. And then from there, sort of shifted sideways over to the rest of the Marvel Universe stuff. So Spider-Man was my guy really early on. I started collecting Amazing Spider-Man in sort of the early, I get around issue 230, 231. Um, really got obsessed with that. My brother and I, uh, around the time of Secret Wars 2, we really branched out to all the Marvel Universe stuff, tried to collect as much of it as possible, and obsessed over the official handbook of the Marvel Universe and all that kind of thing. So that's really where my love of comics kind of started. And then it sort of waxed and waned. And I, I would go into different sort of comic phases. So as I went into high school, and um, I know the Vertigo line was starting around there, and manga was just starting to get really a bit of traction. It, not in the boom that happened later, but sort of those initial series, stuff like um, you know Appleseed or Ghost in the Shell and Akira were coming out in English, and so I started to read those along with like Vertigo books and things like that. So sort of branching out to different styles of comic stuff. Uh, all kinds of, of different things there. And then as I went on to college, sort of different um, comics, I was reading more independent stuff, and then eventually web comics. I started to read online comics because there was so much variety happening in sort of the, the original comics that were being posted on the web. Some of them were like newspaper strips, and some of them you know, started to build up a bit more narrative. And so really a, a crazy cross-section of, of comic reading over you know, my lifetime. But I, I still didn't think of it necessarily as something where I was going to create. Um, my background is in animation. I went to school for classical animation, so that Disney-style hand-drawn animation stuff. And I worked on a couple studios here in Canada on some Canadian cartoons. And then um, I was doing some teaching at an art school in Calgary, Alberta. And in my evenings, I really wanted to do more of my own artwork. And so I started building my own comic, but didn't know anything about publishing, didn't know anything about how to get it out there, and thought, well, there's all these people putting their comics on the web, I'll try doing that. So this is around 2001. I started putting my own comics up online, did that for about a year and a half, 
learn a ton about comic book storytelling and, uh, you know, sort of improve my drawing a little bit. And um, when I moved back to Toronto, I ended up through a, a friend of mine uh, hooked up with the Udon studio and was supposed to work there just as a summer job. But that summer job turned into basically like nine years working at the Udon studio. So I uh, learned a lot about publishing. I learned about a lot about art directing and, and kind of the entertainment and creative art business. And uh, that really gave me a lot of tools and skills. So by the time I started doing my own comics again, which was like 2009, 2010, and then pitched a series uh, to Image called Skull Kickers. And that's sort of the first time I think most people uh, in the business sort of saw me, you know, in any sort of way as a creator or, or as a writer. And it kind of snowballed from there. So Skull Kickers really uh, was a toehold for me to start getting other writing work. And eventually, like since then, in the last you know four and a half years, I've been doing um, writing for pretty much everyone in the business. I've done writing for Marvel and DC and IDW and Dark Horse and Dynamite and and uh, obviously Udon. You know all kinds of um, pretty much every you know publisher at the top of the game. So it's been a really cool uh, process building up the skills and then sort of uh, working away on all kinds of different projects. Wow, that is a, a great story, uh, great journey, nice. and uh, like many comic creators today, I think we're a lot of us. I'm not saying us. I'm not a creator. I'm a retailer, uh, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're kind of in that that thirty to forty five range or thirty five to forty five range. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of folks that are reading comics now and creating comics, you know, grew up on the same stuff. So we have a, a, a lot, of, a lot of similar touchstones and a, and a very similar background as far as what we consumed as kids and, and as we grew up. And I think that's one of the reasons why you have people identifying so so well with books that you're doing and books. A lot of the the creator owned stuff that is out there now, it's because we all kind of grew up with the same stuff. Well, I think what's really cool about it now is you're seeing you know more and more. Uh, like it's nice to see that kind of uh, variety coming into it, and you know, I think that's one of the real strengths right now of the industry in many ways. Absolutely. Well, one of the projects that I mentioned in your intro is Wayward. Why don't you tell us about that one? Mm -hmm. Well, that's my newest project. It's actually uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to get posted, but it's coming out at the end of August, and uh, I've been working away on it for about nine months now. Um, it's a new creator-owned series from Image, and I'm super excited about the launch for it coming up. Uh, so, and it's taking a lot of stuff that um, my co-creator and I, Steve Cummings, we've been working away on this for a while, and it, it's essentially you, you've got this almost like Buffy-style kind of uh, teenagers fighting the supernatural, but it's taking place in Tokyo, and they're fighting up against they're fighting uh, Japanese mythological monsters, what are called yokai. So you've got really cool funky kind of exotic ghosts and monsters and spirits that they're going to be uh, tackling. Uh, it, it's, it's a project that's really near and dear to both of us, and we're super excited about launching that at Image. Well, and I, I could tell that, and I want to thank you for trusting retailers with advanced preview copies of this. Uh, I, I wish that more people would do that, it would, especially on creator-owned work, because a lot of times we just don't know what the content is. And you know, retailers are expected to order blind on a, on a lot of things. Oh, totally. Well, and I think that's a that's the thing is that you've got to under you know as a creator you have to understand that the retailers are not I mean they're they're the first line they're the ones who are going to be you know putting it in front of putting it in the hands of readers 
And so you need to be able to work with them. They're really your partners in terms of releasing material. And so I think it's really important. I wanted to make sure that the retailers before final order cutoff, which is sort of the retailer's last chance to set their orders, that they knew what they were getting. And hopefully, you know, I, I wouldn't release it if I didn't think it was good, that they think so too. And then they're, you know, bolster their orders or make it easier for them to explain to their, um, you know, to their customers, especially the people that they think it would be most appropriate for, you know, what it is and, and uh, that they're excited about it. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, Comics Are Awesome, is because there's just so much content available today. I mean, the previous catalog is, you know, 500 plus pages of, of tons yeah. of stuff. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we can kind of direct people towards stuff that is really awesome that people really should check out. And, you know, as I said, I did get a chance to check it out. I thought it was beautifully drawn. It was, it was written very well. And I liked at the end how you actually uh, went into the Japanese mythology a little bit uh, and explained you know, what some of these characters are. So, and those are things I think that people should look forward to. You know, the back matter in creator-owned books is almost as good sometimes as the story itself. Well, I think it's really, what's nice about it is, you know, we wanted to create a book where if you know uh, Japanese mythological stuff, you'll see some really cool things or hopefully new twists on old themes over there. But if you don't know anything about it, this is just a way to jump in. And, you know, the main character of the story, her name's Rory, she's moving to Japan for the first time. Uh, so she doesn't know anything about this stuff. And you get to learn as as she does. And that was a very, you know, purpose, like that was the whole point of of the way she's written. And so we wanted to give people, you know, a way to, to jump into this stuff and hopefully become as excited about it as we are. And then we got uh, Zach Davison. He's literally written a couple books about Japanese monsters and Japanese culture and done a bunch of translation on uh, projects, you know, for different publishers. And so uh, I was put in touch with him and we really hit it off. Well, and I just thought, you know, this is going to be a great resource. This is going to be a great way for, us to sort of enrich people and give them a bit more information about what this cool stuff is all about. Absolutely. Well, everyone look for that. Uh, it hits comic book stores August 27th, uh, Wayward, and you're working on a bunch of other things, but uh, actually this week you're headed to Indianapolis for Gen Con. What are you doing there? Yep. So in Gen Con is a convention called, you know, it's um, the biggest gaming convention in North America. So Gen Con has been around for, oh man, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's been around for, you know, 30, 40 years, almost as long as Dungeons and Dragons, which is, you know, celebrating 40 years uh, this year. So I assume it would be somewhere between 30 and 40 years. And it's a convention all about gaming. So it's card games, it's role-playing games, it's board games and things like that. And normally they don't have very much of a comic book contingent there, but um, my creator-owned series, Skull Kickers, that I've been doing you know, since 2010, it's really in that kind of wheelhouse. So it is a fantasy, you know, sword and sorcery comedy, and it's got a really uh, strong following amongst gamers. And so a few years ago, a good friend of mine, Howard Taylor, who does a webcomic called Schlock Mercenary, he convinced me to go down for the show. He felt that it would be a good fit for my audience. And uh, he was right. It, it's one of my strongest shows every year. And so I, we uh, booth up together and, and, you know, sell our respective comics. And it's a nice kind of change of pace because you get a, a very different audience. It's great for outreach. And it's actually turned into a bunch of other projects for me. So thanks to the people I met at Gen Con and some of the other professionals there, I ended up doing the Pathfinder comic for Paizo, which is... Um, 
you know, one of the most popular uh, role-playing games out there. And so I've been writing that for two years. And as of October, I'm going to be launching the new Dungeons & Dragons comic with IDW, which it ties into the 40th anniversary of the game and also the launch of the new 5th edition. So my gamer roots, my D&D roots from when I was a kid get, uh, get, you know, I get to pay off on all that stuff as well and do comics at the same time. So it's pretty perfect for me. And in terms of the audience that's there, it's a nice fit. Awesome. Well, you've been creating comics for, for a while now, um, with Skull Kickers coming out, as you said, in 2010, and you've worked on a number of things since then. But do you have a, a single proudest moment as a comic book creator? Um, I, you know, it's interesting, right? It's hard to really sum that sort of stuff up. I do think that launching Skull Kickers, especially in retrospect, I was incredibly proud of it at the time because it was really, I felt like it was an important milestone. I didn't realize how important it was going to end up being. Especially looking back on it now, I was, it really did open up everything else. As much as I was happy to make that book, I didn't realize that it was going to sort of launch a second career for me as a writer and that it would give me the confidence to want to create more. You know, at the time when I was doing it, I was like, okay, this is sort of the story I've wanted to do for quite a while, or this is a project that I'm passionate about. And if I get to do this, that's great. But what I didn't realize was that it was going to sort of open up the possibilities of doing other things and doing, you know, um, work for hire writing, which I I don't think it's as much as a divide as it used to be. It used to be like, well, you do creator owned or you do, you know, commercial work. And I think that it's nice to be able to do both. I really enjoy doing both. I think it flexes different creative muscles. And so being able to, uh, to, to really prove to people that I can do the work and open up those possibilities has been uh, has been awesome so in that way i think uh you know launching skull kickers is at this point you know the proudest i've been working as a, a creator in this business cool well all right let's get to the the toughest question maybe that we're going to tackle today what comic book series other than your own would you recommend today mm-hmm. um you know i i I thought about this uh, but You sent me the questions before, and I thought about this. And it's like, as much as I, you know, I can recommend a lot of series that other people probably are recommending. You know, I could say whatever, you know, Saga or, or Daredevil or books that are already winning tons of awards and getting a lot of kudos. I want to sort of hopefully pull people to something a little bit different. It's been around for a while, but it's still one of my favorite books out there. I think Atomic Robo is an absolute blast. I think it's a really, really fun series. I think it's incredibly well put together. It's easy for people to jump into it. The core premise of it that Brian Clevinger put together is really, really fun. And I think it's just, it's the kind of, uh, you know, lighthearted and enjoyable adventure material that more books should aspire to be. Oh, I agree 100%. That's Atomic Robo is a book that we hand sell here in the shop uh, all the time. And especially to, to gamers. It seems like people who enjoy tabletop gaming are a little more drawn to Atomic Robo, but it's really for everybody. And, you know, I can hand it to a 12-year-old and I can hand it to, you know, an 80-year-old and not have to worry about content or anything like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't feel like it's, like, written for kids. It doesn't have any of these kinds of kid tropes in place. It's just smartly, tightly written, but it's, it really is, you know, without trying to sound corny, it's kind of all-ages entertainment, and it's just enjoyable and entertaining. The characters are engaging, and Brian's built this structure where he can jump around to different time periods and have the same character because he's a robot. And so he's lived for decades. And so he gets to play with historical stuff and he gets to play with, you know, modern or science fiction elements. It really is this really cool melting pot of ideas. 
Well, one of the phrases that I like to use to try not to pigeonhole a book when we're trying to get people to pick up something new is that it's just good comics. You know, whether you're talking right. about, uh, you know, something like, you know, we'll go to the opposite end of the spectrum, say something like Sex Criminals or Saga uh, and something like Atomic Robo or even, you know, mainstream Marvel or DC stuff. If it's a good story, if it's, if it's a good comic, it's just good comics. And there's so much of that out there today. Yeah, I think that's what's so cool right now is that you're seeing the the real craftsmanship in so many different places. And it's no longer about, you know, I think the, the schism that used to exist where people would be like, well, I only read these this company's superhero books or whatever. You know, people are just looking for good stories, and that's really first and foremost. Well, we're we're in a gr- a great time, I would say, for the comic book industry. I mean, we're not in the golden age, not the not the uh, traditional golden age, you know, from the forties, fifties, sixties. But I think we're in a new golden age of you know comic books seeping into pop culture and into the mass to the masses. I mean, look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie. You know how well mm-hmm. it's doing, and how casual people who have no idea who these characters are are going to see it. So, what excites you the most about the comic book industry today? I think the the fact the You've got more opportunity for more voices and more creators than ever before. You know, thanks to uh, outlets like digital, you've got creators who are able to really figure out sort of the comic book storytelling methodology and put their stuff online very easily. You've got more, you know, uh, international talent. You've got uh, a far greater representation in terms of gender and in terms of race than ever before. I think it's a just a fascinating time because people are realizing, you know, I mean, we all knew this as, as longtime readers, but that comic books are a medium and it's not just about superheroes. It's about great stories and it's about good ideas. And it's a great storytelling method that combines a visual, you know, and uh, uh, you know, and a, a word component to it, and so when you put that into place, you can tell any kind of story, and you can have a voice in a you know with your ideas, and it can be you as a single creator or you as a small you know tight knit creative team, and yet you can tell the types of stories that you know would be two hundred million dollar budget movies. You can tell them through comics, and you can tell them big, and you can tell them small, and that we're just seeing more people telling great comic book stories and not being feeling like they're being left out of the conversation. And I think that that's the most exciting part of comics right now is that the ability for people to leverage their ideas and to put them out there to as wide as an audience as possible. Well, I think that question and your answer leads right into this next one. And that's why do you think that comics are awesome? Well, yeah, really it ties into sort of what I, what I said there is that, uh, there are a lot of you know mediums that require tons and tons of money to put your visions together, you know. Um, and when you look at stuff like prose, where it can be very difficult to get people to sample your work, when you've got a visual component and when you've got great storytelling at your fingertips, you can really create the kind of comics that you want, and you can tell the kinds of stories that you want. I think that's what's really exciting about the comic book medium is it's not necessarily about um, the bar to entry uh, in terms of comics, I think, is is really um, so what I'm looking for. I don't want to say low because I don't think that it's about a lack of quality, but I think it's less intimidating to people. Or if they've always wanted to tell a story, it, you know, giving that visual component to people, you know, it is is such a powerful method of of telling stories, and yet it doesn't take you know tens of thousands of dollars of, of you know film cameras or a lighting crew or all those types of things to make it look professional. 
you know, you can find, uh, if you're an artist, you can draw it or you can find collaborators and really tell the kind of story that you want to tell. Well, I think that's why we're seeing, you know, a lot of creators, whether they're writing for comics or TV or film or video games or whatever, a lot of folks are going to comics first to tell their stories. Like, as you said, I think the, the entry level is, is much more manageable. If someone has a screenplay that they want to see developed, they can publish it as a comic a lot less, for a lot less than they can as a, you know, as a pilot, as a TV show, as, as what have you, even for even a, a you know, self-produced video. Uh, comics, I think it's it's the way that people are going these days. Well, and I think what's great about it is, you know, I'm I'm about comics first and foremost. Like I know that some people look at this and go, oh, it's their glorified movie pitch or whatever. You know, I'm here to make comics first, and that's really what I care about most. Um, but the good thing is, is it's really about the quality first and foremost. People can easily read a story. Most chapters of a comic, you can read it in 15 or 20 minutes. And you can sample so much more stuff and try out different stories. It doesn't doesn't feel as intimidating, I think, as oh, I'm going to take whether it's you know three hours to go see a movie and now spend somewhere around twenty bucks, or you know um, whether it's watching an entire season of a TV show or sitting down to read a, a full blown novel in one sitting. You can really get a nice, strong sort of bite sized piece of entertainment out of a great comic. Absolutely. Well, Jim, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time today. But before we sign off, where can people find you online? Um, my website's really easy to remember. It's just jimzub.com. So that's J-I-M-Z-U-B.com. And on there, I've got obviously the typical kind of announcements of projects and interviews and things like that. But I also have quite a few tutorials I've put together. So because of my, uh, I've done some teaching I, I, it really comes naturally to me. So I put together a series of tutorials about how I write comics, how to put together your story ideas, how to pitch them, some of the economics of creator-owned comics for people who may not know how this stuff works, and uh, just general sort of um, suggestions in terms of marketing your ideas or you know what publishers are looking for. Great. Well, look for Wayward in your local comic book shop on August 27th. And Jim, thank you for being one of the reasons that comics are awesome. Well, thank you very much.